0: This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at pacificoffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit pacificoffice.com. Problem solved touchdown tyler murray that defender is in multiple pieces oh that was nasty right there right the latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team drilled by simmons isaiah simmons is balling bring it on bring it on Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. like a torpedo he came flying into the backfield i ain't scared of nobody here's paul calvisi I know the official name of this podcast is Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. But I'm going to rename this week 12 edition, considering coming off the Mexico City road trip, the No Sleep Till Thanksgiving podcast. Point in particular, I just got out of the TV uh, studio with the head coach who said he has yet to sleep after Monday Night Football, and so he'll have to catch up. On Tuesday night, coming off that turnaround and that game in prime time. And is, then, of course, coming it back into the country. You know the routine because you were both on it, Danny Sarek and Darren Urban.
1: Is is he getting no sleep because he hasn't had time to sleep or just because everything going on
0: is just keeping him awake? Hashtag, it can always get worse if you're the head coach. There is always something. What's Anybody who becomes a first-time head coach in the NFL, what do they always say? They're always amazed at how many non-football things Across their desks come through their office things they have to decide upon that have nothing to do with a 100 yard field x's and o's you are a ceo whether you like it or not whenever just basic football operations and human resources in this case danny there's the segue if you want to take it and make the announcement
2: sure thanks Paul uh, <laughs> the announcement coming just shortly before we started recording this episode of Cardinals Underground is that offensive line coach and run game coordinator Sean Kugler has been released from the team and that's about all we know that he did not coach in the Monday night football game at Estadios Teca Mexico City uh, where it said that he was already on his way home by that point um, and that's, that's pretty much all we know at this point because this came out after Cliff Kingsbury's press conference yeah
1: I mean it's There's just a, you know, as you were saying, Paul, there's a lot that's going on right now. They obviously did not play well in Mexico City. Uh, I thought they hung in there in the first half, but the second half, it all just kind of fell apart at the seams. Uh, Now we hear about the Kugler uh, situation. They probably lost Rondale Moore, I would think, for at least through the bye. They've only got one game before the bye Uh, with the groin injury. You don't know what's going to happen with Greg Dortch, who played really well. In Moore's absence, and then he's getting an MRI on his thumb, and is Hollywood coming back? And is Kyler Murray going to play? And it's just there's just, and the offensive line is no better than it has been. So health wise,
0: I mean, where do you even start at this point? I, I go back to our interview moments ago with Cliff Kingsbury this week, twelve going into the Chargers game, and and every one of those topics we covered, and, and they almost sort of bleed together at this point. I mean, it's week 12, and you haven't even seen DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown on the field at the same time. Think about that, at least in a game. And now, to your point, Rondell Moore, yeah, he went down on the first offensive snap of the game, and guess what? He took a seat right away. He, he dropped his helmet, and he didn't He didn't look like he had any chance going back into that game. He didn't go back into the game, and then at the very end of the game, there's the team doctors looking at Greg Dortch and his thumb. He never came back into the game. There was only seconds left, and even though he joined us in the post-game radio interview, you know, I, I mean, uh, it's just um, what is it? Seventy-six different players going into the Monday night game had seen action for the Cardinals the most in the NFL, and guess what? That's going to grow.
2: You could feel it in the locker room post-game. Everyone was just dejected, and I don't know how you could feel otherwise. Um, Every team has injuries. That's, that's part of the game is you either get really lucky and you stay healthy for the most part, or you're able to have the right kind of depth to carry you through that adversity until players probably come back. But when you have the amount of injuries to starters the way the Cardinals have, mostly on offense, which was already struggling when they were mostly healthy, but again, without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, at this point, I don't know how you come out of the hole that they've dug for themselves.
0: But then again, um, you know the hashtag. It can always get worse. Uh, you know, it did throughout the course of that game, especially when it came to tackling. And Buda Baker had something to say after that loss in Mexico City, and he started an answer, and then he cut himself short. But he did he did provide a yes no answer on whether guys were playing hard to the finish, and his answer was no, not everyone.
2: You know what? I I respect that because I think that was the truth. And I think when Kingsbury had the same sentiment in his press conference, I think that's the accountability that you need and that you need from a leader like Buda Baker, which we know from covering the team, listeners and viewers know from seeing the very first Hard Knocks episode a few weeks ago. I think that's the accountability you need. And as much as it might suck to have that type of loss and to feel like to some degree, maybe the season is slipping away from you at 4-7, and you have one divisional win and it's feeling nearly impossible to find yourself in a situation to make the playoffs with not only the NFC West, but how teams in the rest of the NFC are are starting to, how things are starting to shake out. It's still important that you do play with that fight and you play hard to the end because at the end of the day, everyone is still playing for a job. While, yes, you want to, you know, have you want to end on the best that you can, and you know. But I like the fact that Buddha was honest in that answer.
1: I, I mean? Look, I think one of the things we're going to get out of this back half of the season, and whether we see it on Hard Knocks or whether we see it with our own eyes, with the way the season is going, I, I think. I remember talking to Buddha. I think it was the off season after twenty twenty. Uh, so actually it was going into last year, but it still holds was he was talking about how much more vocal he has gotten as his years have gone by and how much more vocal he felt he needed to be. And I we've really reached an apex with that, with the hard knocks uh, speech and some of the other things he said. And um, I respect when players and there was a couple of them after the game that falling to cliche mode and 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 don't say you know you keep your stuff in house i i get it i don't love it as somebody reporting it but i get it where you're going to talk about we're going to keep grinding and um you know it's it's not an absolute disaster we just have to keep working and all those things that's that that's what's expected but when you get a guy who's publicly willing to kind of say look we we got an issue here and it's not getting fixed and to to acknowledge that i think is important yeah. he didn't call anybody out by name but
0: He he, he didn't
1: have to. We saw it. And and fans want to hear somebody saying that.
2: And here's why Buddha's the right person to even say that is because he leads by example. That's true. And I think that's why this really holds more to it. The fact that it came from Buddha Baker's mouth when he's saying he wants people, essentially that he wants people to finish strong. And that's what he does.
0: I mean, when George Kittle has a pair of touchdown catches and runs 39 yards, 32 yards, when Debo Samuel goes 39 yards. Uh, guess what? The tackling was lacking. There's no doubt about it. And what's the key element in tackling? Want to. The willingness to tackle. And so guess what? There's six games to go. It's Buda Baker's trying to get out ahead of it because, uh, you know what? It, it can look really bad down the stretch. We saw it. Everyone lived it and experienced it 3-13 and 13 in 2018. And guess what? It's like contagion. It's like cryptocurrency just, you know, absolutely just, I mean, everything, it takes everything with it, Danny,
2: I'm going to start making a bingo card for this podcast and, like, marking off when things get set, because I love the cryptocurrency little throw-ins that you have, Paul. It's
0: it's contagion, and the market is what it is. You're not going to tackle? Well, then I'm not going to tackle. What do you mean? You're not throwing your body in there? Then why should I? Self-preservation. You can't have that. And, And so I respect anyone who cares that much about their job. And Buddha obviously cares we saw it ourselves after the Eagles game and just the passion. That wasn't for the cameras. That that was from the heart. And so for Buddha and, and it's interesting guys, I'm in there, I'm doing the post game radio interviews and I saw Buddha working the locker room before the rest of the media was let in. And I could tell he had a message. He was walking around to every position group and the different lockers around that visiting locker room in Estadio Azteca, and he's talking and he's talking. So then later, as I'm catching up and we're on the team bus, and there was plenty of time to catch up on the team bus, and, and so I'm going through it, I'm like, okay, Buddha Baker uh, had something to say, and I'm like, oh, you know what, I was as eager as anyone to know because I wasn't among those media scrums. I didn't know what, but I figured, okay, there was something on Buddha's mind, and we found out. And so, once again, I think it's like a preemptive strike. If you're going to play, you're going to play four quarters. You're going to play hard. Let's see what happens. But you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the game.
2: And, I, and, and not to sound like everything's done and, and packing up by any means, but I think, too, while maybe momentum doesn't necessarily carry over from season to season, if you're going to be here and you're playing with some of your teammates, what do you think you'd rather play with teammates you knew fought to the end? that even though it might not have been the easy thing to do they still put their heart into every game into every play I would think that too would would have some sort of carryover of you would remember if you're playing with teammates and the year before they just threw in the towel because that was the easy thing to do
0: because look the Niners came out in the second half It, it was a 17 10 game at halftime and they came out they opened the second half and they said who wants them Here we go. We're going to line it up. We're going to run it between the tackles. Seven out of eight plays were run plays. Here's our bruising back, Elijah Mitchell. Do you remember Elijah Mitchell from last year? Because you're going to get reacquainted with him right now. Shouldn't have been a surprise. They did the exact same thing in the second half against the Chargers the week before. Plenty of players are talking about how they bring in Elijah Mitchell for the power run game. And it worked. It worked. Yeah,
1: I mean, they only surprisingly, the the 49ers only ran it seven times the entire first half, which I was, again, surprised about. And so to, to just go hard there and, and basically say, stop us, and they weren't able to do it. And again, you know, the defense early in that game, what I kept thinking about was what Vance Joseph said earlier in the week, which was, or actually it wasn't him, it was Antonio Hamilton. Vance Joseph echoed it later, but Antonio Hamilton basically said, the altitude's never going to get you if as a defense you're doing what you're supposed to do get three and out if you're only out there for three plays and that's what happened those first yeah. few series i mean it was three and outs or they were forcing punts and it was all it was not a problem you know but you you got to be able to hold that up the whole game and i think some of that is cardinals but i also think some of that is 49ers we can say what we want to say the 49ers right now are a better team than the cardinals
0: and they showed it well, but, you know even when healthy i mean the niners <laughs> The Niners roster is loaded with talent. There's no doubt about that. The one area where I thought the Cardinals could have success was in that Niners secondary. But when you don't have time, when you're Colt McCoy and you have four backup offensive linemen in that Niners defensive front, and they're able to rush four and drop seven, which they did a lot of the game. And they used a lot of cover, too, according to Cliff Kingsbury, which... Which D'Amico Ryan's hadn't really been that big a fan of, you know. It's it, speaking of contagion, it's across the NFL right now. All this too high safety, you know, shell look. But the Niners really hadn't used a lot of that until they got to the Cardinals. Because guess what? Can you run it? Can you run it against our four man front with your four backup offensive linemen? And the answer was no. Cardinals average less than three yards a carry. Niners average almost six yards a carry. In a lot of ways, that was the ball game. As Greg Dorch told us after the game on the radio side, he said, "Look." When you become one-dimensional as an offense, you become predictable. And then it gets really difficult to move the football. So Colt got up there, and I thought his most telling quote was, Niners didn't do anything to confuse me. Yeah, He, he knew where to go, and he looked decisive early. But then as the game wore on, he had less and less time to really read and react. And, and he got less and less cooperation from his dwindling uh, you know, group of receivers and weapons. And, uh, you know... So anyway, all that uh, taken into account, you know, there, there are checkpoints. When you're four and seven now, I think there are three big checkpoints that the decision makers have to look at. Number one, number one, A, B, and C is your quarterback, your franchise quarterback. Is he progressing or regressing? And that's why I think it's vital Kyler gets out there these last six games. Hello, he's still only 25 years of age. I know he's been to two Pro Bowls, Danny, and he's been a rookie of the year you can see just the experience of Colt McCoy the difference right in the ability to read and react so that's the and then the other metric if you're the decision makers and we've heard this before over the years how do you stack up in your own division and that really tells you how much change is needed in the off season how far behind the joneses are we you look over the block wall into your neighbor's backyard and you go okay are we competitive or not, and guess what? The Rams team you beat the week before is a lot different than the 49ers team you just played, and even the Seahawks to a large degree, which you got swept by.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great place you have to start. Is the goal is to obviously win your division every week, and I think the 49ers and a bit of a surprise, the Seahawks, I think, consistently have proven that they have been a better team than the Cardinals, whether that's because of injuries or not. Whatever you want to say, it's you know. Point your finger at is is that's simply the case. Um, it will be interesting to see in the offseason what that means of strengthening your team and and if it's kind of the same philosophy of this past year, which has been relying on the younger players on defense and a very veteran heavy offense, um, because a lot of those veterans have been hurt. You haven't You haven't had a game where you have had your full offense.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting, uh, on the flip side, you're talking about relying on young players on defense and then against the 49ers, and I know he's been hurt, but Dennis Garda had his snaps jump to 20, and my Jay Sanders coming off his best game of the season with 21 snaps only played nine snaps Monday night.
0: Wow, that's you know what? As I think about it, I did say to myself the game as the game was going on that, that Gardeck was getting a lot of snaps. I didn't realize it was at the expense of my J. Sanders. And, and I
1: want to say one time my J Sanders came in because somebody got hurt. I'm trying to remember who it was at the time, but um, like so then that's like he wasn't even playing on being right. in there, he was just helping out.
0: I, I will say this. My J. Sanders spends a lot of time talking with some of the position coaches in the sideline. You know, can they trust him? Can they trust him yet as a rookie? And what did he say after his big breakout game against the Rams? He said, What's keeping you from getting on the field? You know, and he said, Consistency. So if you're not showing it in the meeting rooms, if you're not being reliable and you're sounding your keys and your assignments and your alignments, I'm guessing that perhaps costs my Jay Sanders snaps. And and, and yeah, I mean, if I'm the 49ers offensive line and I saw some of that film of my Jay Sanders against the Rams, because it was interesting. I was talking to a few guys who said, "Who does he remind you of?" And a lot of a lot of people said Leonard Floyd. They said that's the comp for a my J. Sanders, not Chandler Jones. Don't get me, you know. I mean, yeah, he's long. But no, no one's quite Chandler Jones, but they said a Leonard Floyd was a good comp for a my J. Sanders. I said, "Hey, I think everyone in, in the Red Sea will take that." Yeah, yeah. If that's the upside,
1: I mean, look, it's always dangerous to do such things. But again, Leonard Floyd's a guy who's done it in the league for a long time. Yep. And my Jay Sanders isn't near that right now. He had a nice game against a Rams team, which now, as we do the comparison, uh, the 49ers are not an average team, but neither are the Rams. And they're on the opposite sides of that line. And the good things that the Cardinals did against the Rams had to be put into context. And, and I think some of the struggles they had against San Francisco has to be put into context. But you start looking at who they've got left on the schedule. They're playing a Chargers team that, again, finds itself really needing wins to stay in the AFC playoff chase. That's coming up. Then they have a bye. Uh, They're going to have the Patriots, who are another team that, uh, offensively, they are challenged significantly, but they have a really good defense, and they've been causing a lot of problems. And they're in the AFC playoff chase. They still got a 49ers game. They still have to play the Falcons, who... I guess are in the playoff chase, kinda more, but more than this team, I would think at this point. Um, You know, so you you've got games that are not, and the Buccaneers, who who might be rounding right into form right when they hit on Christmas. So it's it's not simple the rest of the way.
0: No, no, and and look. You talk about taking stock of where you're at as a team, and you look at this defense, and it was interesting because Passion Wolf repeatedly in that fourth quarter said, man, I can't believe there's 31. I can't believe there's 38 points on that scoreboard. It doesn't feel like the defense played that bad. But the reality is, four times in the last five games, the Cardinals defense has given up 30-plus points. Yeah, That's the reality. And they were run on you know, nearly six yards a carry. So how much of it is... I don't know, getting demoralized because the offense isn't producing or realizing you have a backup offensive line and they have little chance of advancing the football against Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and company, (laughs) by the way, Fred Warner. Okay, that guy's a player. Um, But when you think about this Cardinals defense, at least I do, against Shanahan and McVay in your own division, do you have the football IQ? To match up with these guys because whether it was the first game against the rams and they made you look dumb with the cooper cup end around jet sweep touchdown and the ben skaronic off tackle lead block against Zaven collins whether it's another debo samuel 39 yard end around touchdown run i mean it's just at times looks way too easy against the cardinals defense and they just have a hard time fitting against their rivals in the division and Drew Stan made a couple of really good points in the pregame going into that game in Mexico City. And he said, I'm looking at the Cardinals' defense, and I'm looking at Savin Collins, and I'm looking at Isaiah Simmons. How do they flow? Are they flowing to the ball? Are they instantly reading and reacting? Still young guys at those linebackers slash hybrid positions. Don't call him Isaiah Simmons. We don't have time for the hijinks right now.
2: On the bingo card.
0: Yeah. And so <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. That, that gives me pause. He walked right into it, though. That, that gives me pause. We needed.
2: We needed a moment of... <laughs> Levity. Laughter, yes, a little smile. Is so. that
0: a joke behind my back? No, the, it's it, in front of your
2: face right now, Paul. The, the I'm bingo looking right card. at you.
0: Is that a Cardinals no, underground fine. bingo card joke? I just came up with that. I had no. never heard that I'm sorry.
2: I, I'm sorry. I interrupted but I, I, your train I will of give you that. It, yeah. I,
1: I did feel like we were moving into needing some levity. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and that's not Paul's fault, quite frankly. <laughs> no, that's that's yeah, what no, we're having uh, to talk about. Please continue with
2: Isaiah. Yeah. Hey, Paul's
0: fault is that? Is that a new thing?
2: No, I will not allow the slander on Paul Calvisi.
0: No, don't invite me to Thanksgiving Day dinner by the way yeah, it will, it'll be way too heavy it'll be it'll be way <laughs> the <up. list> <laughs> it's not gonna be joyous
1: An air- airing of grievances right,
0: it won't be joyous and festive I'll be like Costanza's dad it'll be airing of grievances you're absolutely right now that point. is a
2: reference I understand yeah. because of my dad okay. I know you're oh, shocked so oh, just, oh I didn't mean it in a yeah, rude way okay. I just mean yeah, that
1: is were so good favorite if you show. just would have stopped yeah. it that's, that, a okay. yeah. yeah. that's a reference yeah, that's I understand that's a reference I
0: understand that's my dad's TV show so I understand that reference I get it wow that's about as backhanded as it gets let's
2: get back to your train of let's, thought about Simmons Collins I Yes. Collins.
0: So, okay. If you're Vance Joseph, I'm thinking out loud. Right? Let's just do a, you know, sort of a, you know, dramatic reenactment. If I'm Vance Joseph and I'm running the same sort of package that stymied the 49ers in their rematch last year when they held them to 39 yards rushing. If you remember that game with Cole McCoy in Santa Clara, Cardinals won. And if you looked out there, you're like, you know what? That's a pretty similar game plan. You're coming out with four defensive linemen. Yeah, they call it their jumbo front. And so they have four D linemen, which the downside is you're not going to get a lot of pass rush. And the Cardinals did not get a lot of pass that's rush. Correct. Zero sacks, four quarterback hits, which is another reason my Jay Sanders didn't get a lot of reps, now that I yeah, think about it. Yeah, that's true. Just, but,
1: they just played a different package.
0: Yeah, because yeah, you see all those defensive linemen out there. And at first, I looked on the sideline. I'm like, look at all these defensive linemen who are suited up and active. I'm thinking, is that because of the altitude? No, it's because you're running four of them out there at a time. Um, But then, to still not stop the run, to start the second half in between the tackles, and they're coming right at you, and you're still not stopping it. If you're wondering, did the air go out of the building at 7,300 feet above elevation after that touchdown drive by the 49ers to take a 24-10 lead? You would be correct. Because the air
1: went out of the sideline of the Cardinals. Yeah. It did not go out of the building. <laughs> that's unfortunately,
0: true. that's true. There were enough Niner fans there. Uh, so, and by the way, I'll hold myself accountable. Okay, I'm gonna Buddha would be proud of me. I'm gonna hold myself accountable right now. I cannot believe I went the entire game. And there was a lot of chaos in that sideline. And no joke, I'm doing the pregame hit. It's 30 seconds before kickoff, and I'm doing my pregame hit as, as Passion Wolf actually give me just a finite amount of time there before the game, and i got to make a count. And it starts raining like you wouldn't believe. And as I'm doing the hit, I'm realizing, okay, we're all getting soaked down here, and I have no rain gear. I packed zero rain gear. I am so hosed for the next three and a half hours down in this sideline. And whether it was that, as I make excuses, or something else— uh, maybe it's all the NFL films cameras that are down there blocking everyone's view. But I never noticed that Sean Kugler uh, may or may not have been around on the sideline. Because if the incident happened reportedly Sunday night.
1: Yeah. No, no, he was Then wasn't, guess what? He, he wasn't on was, he, the field he did not. He did not game coach. time. No, he
0: didn't okay. coach. Did coach. And I didn't really notice that. So uh, guess what? This is me bashing my head with the microphone holding myself accountable
2: and you, for those listening he did actually just bash his head into yeah. the microphone yeah that, that that's, was a that's real not sound. A sound
0: effect yeah. that's I gotta feel that real own it wear it.
2: I did see you though uh, post game when I was down on the field. You had a poncho on, so you you found something.
0: Eventually, yes. In the first second quarter break, our guy Zach came up with a uh, ponchos. Don't know where he, he produced those ponchos. Uh, you know, especially internationally, I don't know where he got his hands on those, but uh, they did seem to save the day. Didn't mean I wasn't still soaked underneath uh, the entire ride home, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, <sighs> save me, Darren. Save me something. What, I, what I, else? I what wish else, I Darren? could. This what else? is this. We have, yeah. we have
1: run into. Yeah. We have run into a time in the season and on the podcast where it's 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 going to be more difficult to save ourselves just because I mean, what do we you know, the the issues of what we're having to talk about? You know, last week we made it fairly clear and we talked about the the quarterback situation and everything. and, And and I think, you know, Colt McCoy did not play that much differently against the 49ers than he did against the Rams. The problem is he played a much better defense and you yep. see the limitations there with the offense and all that. It's not just Colts deal, but I watched part of that game last night, especially when they got behind and I thought to myself, there are warts on Kyler Murray currently that he needs to get past, but that's the kind of talent, more a little bit more boomer bust, a little bit more strikeout or home run kind of feel to his game than Colts, but that's what they needed once they fell behind and they didn't have that element.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. When you have four backup offense alignment against that front seven, yes, Kyler's escapability uh, might have created something.
1: Yeah, and, and so we'll see what happens.
0: And, and guess what? They didn't have to put a spy on Colt McCoy. No. So there's an extra defender right there. That's why Chase Edmonds back in the day when Kyler showed up, he called him what? The extra blocker. He called him an extra blocker. Basically, you're playing with 12 on offense because they have to account for Kyler, and it. And the nine, thats one thing where you're not holding the defense accountable, and the Niners got away with that. That's why they're able to rush four and drop seven, and everyone keep their eyes, you know, or plaster their coverage, and you don't have to—you don't have to worry about taking your eyes off the quarterback because Cole McCoy's not going to pull it and run it for thirty yards. So, that's...
1: I feel like I got you out of that ditch. Yeah. The question we'll now is, does Kyler Murray play against right. the Chargers? Yeah. Who, who? And you know, I guess that's a—we'll see. And Cliff Kingsbury already said because of the short week, they've already been doing walkthroughs on Wednesday. And because of the short week, they're now going to do a walkthrough on Thursday. So we're not even going to get to see any players until Friday uh, in the open part of the media. So
2: And now you're at the part of the season with Kyler Murray with Hollywood Brown. And I don't know the situation of what's going to happen with the Greg Dorch, but it's do they play if they're close but not 100% or do you let them rest and recover through the bye week and they miss one more game?
1: It's, it's, a, it's a fair question. And, I, you know, I don't. I mean, if you t- truly feel like you're chasing something, I think you got to try and get out there, I, no matter who you are. Um, and I think if you're not, if you think otherwise, whether you say it aloud or not, then then you have a little bit more leeway of making those decisions. And you know, I it, it it's it's fascinating to me where this offense goes the rest of this year, and whether it's I mean, again, you're talking about oh Kyler Murray, quarterback, and you'll have a, a rec- people that are pass catching that are. DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore and Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz and yeah it's just never going to it's not going to happen once this entire season and that's that's you're rough right. to know and that's yeah. and that's even after taking care of everybody in the preseason and not doing much and um you know Ertz obviously is done done but you're also in a situation with uh Rondell Moore in his groin, even if Hollywood comes back, you might not have more for a couple weeks, you just don't know, what. you just don't know and and that's that's a lot of what I keep hearing from Cliff when he talks about things still trying to come together and and people rightfully have said in week 11, you're still trying to come together and his point is, look you're playing people that are in positions the Greg Dortch thing was, I mean he had a great game, but Colt McCoy said it post game, Greg Dorch played great, he didn't get all the reps that he would have during the the week. Those are Rondale Moore. So there was some miscommunication. We saw it on the fourth down. I mean, I'm pretty sure Greg Dortch was the one who was probably out of place in that one. And that was, you talk about the 49ers having, I mean, those, there's a couple of shorter fields. I don't disagree with either of the fourth down when it mattered, fourth down calls, because I felt like at that point, the Cardinals needed to score touchdowns. I mean, you're, you're, you're just not going to get there with the way things were going. And so I, I have no problem with them going for them. They just didn't work.
0: In fact, you want some levity, some humor. Here's my notes, by the way, from the uh, sideline, all water damaged and everything. Okay? I love so, how
1: Paul always keeps his so, notes, too. So it's as always it,
0: impressive. So as I look here, the stat going into the game against the 49ers, in their five wins, they had two turnovers. Uh, in their four losses, they had 11 turnovers. So when you basically lose the turnover battle, three zip, because you had the tipped interception – that went to the 49ers and you turn it over on downs twice. Yeah, That's essentially what that amounts to. So that makes it ultra difficult to beat that 49ers team. What was interesting to your point on Dorch and I think it was Cliff talking to Wolf and Luke during his radio segment and he said that interior wide receiver position, that slot receiver position is actually more difficult than the outside position because you have to read and react based on coverage. So on that fourth down yeah. He's reading one thing, or reacting one way, and he mistakenly read it, and Colt went the other way with a pass. And
1: everybody's always said all season long, what happened to Greg Dorch? Why are you not playing Greg Dorch more? And I think that's why, is because when he's on the field, he's playing that interior position. And what has Cliff said more vaguely about Dorch was, he needs to learn the playbook better. He never really got into it as much as that comment on Luke and Wolf. And that's clear. If you're trusting a guy to be on the same page as the quarterback of reading on a on a on a fork route whatever you want to call it um, mm-hmm. if you don't have it right best case scenario is yeah. an, an is an incompletion worst case is a potential interception so
0: i mean the the greatest example in recent history was year number 1 for Carson Palmer 2013 yeah. And he almost wasn't an Arizona Cardinal. If you were to listen to some of the radio blowhards on the air, by midseason, they were, everyone was campaigning for Drew Stanton to replace Carson Palmer. The old man didn't have it anymore. Well, it turns out he had thrown eight interceptions because seven of those were brutal mistakes by his receivers reading coverage, and Carson never once threw his receivers under the bus. We only found out that out later that... Uh, Almost all those interceptions were uh, And Cole McCoy, to his credit, he took the postgame microphone and he said, you know what, Greg Dortch got virtually no reps all week. Because, Rondell, that's the way it works. The ones get like 95% of the reps during a practice week. And so Greg Dortch was was left to kind of fend on his own. Still ended up with his first career 100-yard receiving game, and he doesn't lack for confidence. He sat in this very studio in a big red rage recently and said, you know what, I'll make anyone miss in a phone booth. He's He has, he has big-time confidence when he gets his hands on the ball.
2: And that's just the way it is. You're right, Paul, in, in terms of the ones getting most of the reps, and that's why it's so important if you aren't a starter to make sure that you are putting in that work not just on the field, but in the meeting rooms and, and doing that work on your own and watching film and understanding the playbook and that's what they mean by next man up mentality is that you have to be ready when your number is called upon. And that's not to say that Greg Dortch didn't have a good game. I mean, we've talked about why he had a good game and that's not to say that he is not a good player when they call upon his number, but that's just the way it is. If, if you're having that miscommunication, if you're not giving those reps practice, you, you have to understand that.
0: You know, he reminds me of Buda Baker in this regard. When Bill Davis gets in front of his linebackers room and he says, and he puts the pointer on Buda Baker on film. He said, what would happen to our defense if everybody played as hard as Buda Baker? Challenge yourself to play as hard as Buda Baker. You're probably not going to play as well as an all-pro. That's Greg Dortch to the Cardinals offense. Can you play as hard as Greg Dortch? Every time he gets an opportunity, he seemingly produces. Think about what he did in August. Some of those dog day practices and the end of practice, and the dude is still going 100%. It's the reason he made the team. I mean, let's face it, what he did in those preseason games, he was on the outside looking in. It was just it was just that that intensity that he brings all the time.
1: He did something Monday that we've seen him do when he's had opportunities all season, and that's one of the reasons fans have been frustrated is because they see that, and then his time fades away less less because of what he does and more because of who else is around. And that's why I'm fascinated to see what ends up happening with – with Rondale Moore and what his groin injury is going to be and and the unfortunate thing with Rondale is he's been hurt a lot and that was an issue in college and it's been an issue on this level and you know you 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 wonder a little bit where that goes
0: hey Cole McCoy spent a lot of time in that medical tent in Mexico City just like he did the week before and I thought it was semi-miraculous he came back against the Rams we'll see where he's at Because Cliff was a bit evasive about Colt McCoy's health, wasn't he, to a certain degree, on the Tuesday press conference coming off Mexico City?
2: Yeah, just kind of saying he took a lot of hits. He's pretty banged up is pretty much what we got from him. Maybe a little bit of an elbow or shoulder. And to me, that doesn't necessarily go back to the elbow injury he had during training camp. I think that really is more just him getting banged up these last couple of weeks. Um, But I I, 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 I would imagine that, either him or Kyler Murray will probably be good enough to play, at least you would hope.
1: Well, my guess is at this point, Colt McCoy, this, at this time in his career and everything, and, and the way he plays because he doesn't have to run around as much, um, my guess is he's going to make sure. I mean, I don't think he was 100% going into this game, and they still listed him as full and practiced the last day, and he didn't have a designation. So, um, you know, Colt understands his body and understands where he is, and but there was absolutely a few times even before he went in the tent where he got up awful slow, yeah, oh, no and, yeah. and when you're yeah. when you're 36, you start or older, you you start feeling those things a little longer, and they linger, and it's it's a little harder. So we'll see. I I I, I I'm hoping Kyler is out there against the Chargers. I think he needs to be out there, but um, but again, when Cliff talks about him being healthy, and again, and he reiterated some of it. Somebody asked him essentially if Kyler was not 100%, but he was pretty close and he could do some things even if he didn't have, couldn't run around, but he could be in the pocket. And Cliff made the other point, which I don't know how I feel if I'm Colt McCoy when he says this, but he basically said, if we've got four backup offensive linemen, we need Kyler to be able to move around back there because otherwise he could be a sitting duck. Well, somebody's going to be a sitting duck back there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and guess what? Somebody has a lot more mobility than the other guy. So it, it's sort of – I mean, yeah. Yeah, but – um so look, I, I don't know what that means, but every time I hear Cliff Kingsbury say, and he said it the last two weeks running, Kyler needs to be a hundred percent. That to me is a euphemism for he's not playing. Yeah, that's me. Not too. yet. I agree with you. I, that's the way I translated it the last two weeks, and I'm I'm gonna stick to that this week. Uh we'll Who's, see.
1: I, even if even if that heals, how is he a hundred percent? Nobody's a hundred percent.
2: At this time of the year, no.
0: All right, what's your 100% go-to for Thanksgiving? And then we'll call it a podcast here. What is the dish or the food item you're most looking forward to on Thanksgiving? Danny, I can just see right now a thought bubble. It's like all these things dancing around in the thought bubble. You're trying to decide it's multiple choice right now.
2: I, I love Thanksgiving. Um, it's one of my favorite holidays. Um, growing up in Dallas, though, of course, it's always been around football. And that's when my whole family would get together. And it's just it's one of my favorite holidays. I really like a lot of the dishes, like the classic Thanksgiving dishes. Um, the reason I looked like I had a thought bubble was just thinking back to last year, and I was still kind of new at this point and just like everyone thinking that I was like a maniac for saying that I liked green bean casserole because oh, that's right you like yeah. green bean casserole because apparently people right. don't. and that's like my whole family love like, my younger sister who can't even have dairy has found like a delicious dairy-free green bean casserole recipe like it is a staple for us on Thanksgiving. So that I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with okay. it. I'm going to hold my ground right. and say green bean oh, casserole. Oh no.
0: Well, okay. Then then guess what? You're you're going to have to withstand my analysis. It depends. It, that's my answer, yes, it depends. Of course. Because it depends on the viscosity, if you will, of the green bean casserole. If it's like green if it's green beans floating around in the no. cream of mushroom Campbell's soup, absolutely no, not that's no. a hard no but if there's some sort of consistency it's not like swimming in it no and viscosity to it there's there's something there there then okay I'll consider it as I'm as we're passing it around the table yes. or maybe sampling it okay otherwise cool. it's a hard well, no well what's yours then the the go to uh, the go to if only I could get my hands on it these days. Would be the ribbon jello. Have you ever had the ribbon jello, where it takes like ten hours to make it, and you put a, a layer of one sort of uh, flavor jello, and then another layer, and it ends up being this like three-inch-thick slice of jello, and it's all different colors and flavors. And if Can't you're a you kid, make that, it's Paul? the better. It's the.
2: I'm not a big jello person, so I haven't had that.
0: It's believe me. It's it's sort of uh, you know it it, it 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 goes very well on this side of your plate. It's it offsets everything else.
1: I very much enjoy Thanksgiving because of the football. Um, I'm okay with having traditional stuff, but like this year my, my son's gotta work in the afternoon. I will probably have to come out for practice and do a little bit of work, or at least not practice, but uh, interviews. And uh, so we're actually doing more of a brunch thing. I don't, I'm not a big, I, I was, I'm one of those people, especially if we're hosting, if you, we would love to have everybody over if you're gonna throw uh, a fit about what is being served, it'll be good food. It might not be exactly what you're thinking it's gonna be. You don't have to come over. That's kind of how I look at <laughs> I it. I always forget ah, that ah. people
2: do Thanksgiving during the day because I've only ever known a Thanksgiving meal to be had at halftime of the Cowboys game at dinner time. Uh, oh, like you oh, go, go, you you go over to someone's we'll f- house later in the afternoon and you yeah. like schmooze and well, you have usually a like, you know, little snipp- but. But I forget that most people have a Thanksgiving meal by like between like noon and three, yeah. and we're not sitting down with a plate until it's the halftime performance.
1: Well, plus you're a little bit later in Dallas than it is here in Arizona, so halftime right. of the Cowboys oh. game probably could be between noon and three here. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but yeah. I, and look, for a lot of people end up getting a four day weekend. We do not. It's a regular Friday, and no. it's a home game weekend, so mm-hmm. it's a blip in the radar.
0: You know what? I've committed another grievous error, and and uh, luckily we only have uh, well a couple minutes to cover this, although it probably warrants a lot more coverage. Danny, what happened upon the Cardinals' entrance into the team hotel in Mexico City? <laughs> Do tell.
2: Thank how, you, Paul, because I would have forgotten.
0: How did we forget that, how Danny? How did Paul remember? That's a good question. <laughs> how did we forget that?
2: We were walking into the hotel, and we were—it was a warm welcome. There were mariachi right. bands, and there were fans, and, and they were, you know— Chant you know, cheering at the players and coaches and asking for pictures and whatnot and,
0: and I'll our, do the dramatic reenactment in the background as you tell the story. Here and, we go.
2: And our group is the last to enter, and we're going up the escalators and there are fans right out right next to it. And I'm on the escalator about halfway up and I just hear Darren <laughs> Darren. <laughs> Darren, and immediately the trip was made. I mean, everyone on the escalator from our department, their jaws dropped. Just a big smile, like it was just incredible. And and I'm not saying that to make fun of you or the or the fan because it wasn't the only fan. There was another international fan later on. When we were relaxing at the hotel, lounging on some couches, and another fan approached Darren, saying how big of a fan he was. Which I love that we not we Darren has international fans. It was just so great to see that when the players and coaches are walking in, Darren gets singled out and. Darren Darren, to his credit, did go back down and he took a picture with the fan and was talking to him, but it was amazing to experience.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I do appreciate – look, I appreciate the people that uh, appreciate what I and what we do. Um, I've gotten lots of compliments over both you guys over the years when people send in stuff for mailbags. And I, I, Look, this is a tough time to be a Cardinals fan, and and we get that. And we also understand uh, you may not want to be consuming as much Cardinal content at this point and so if you are listening out there we appreciate all of you and we hope we continue to keep it somewhat entertaining and darren! newsworthy <laughs> newsworthy yeah.
0: oh that was great i mean that, that was really that was, that was good stuff that was i mean honestly that was uh so all right there you go that'll be this edition of cardinals underground brought to you by darren urban